Hello and welcome to this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Have you ever played with art? Have you ever messed about but thought you weren't creative enough to really take it seriously? But did you find that art is really beneficial for your mental health, for your stress levels, and it gave you an outlet that you just don't get from anything else? This week, I had the great pleasure of speaking with Belinda Latimer, who is an artist and a teacher, and she helps women find their confidence their voice, their expression through the use of art and creativity. So stay tuned for this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Belinda Latimer about her journey to discovering her calling and happiness as an artist and teacher and using her skills to empower women to show up fully and authentically in their lives. Welcome, Belinda. Hello. Nice to be here. It's great to have you. Could you begin by telling us how you discovered the love of art and a little bit about your journey? Um, gosh. One of my earliest memories is me painting a scene from the hare and the tortoise, tortoise at school and the easel, the smell of the paints, the holding of the big, the really big brush. I would have been five. I think I was five, actually. And I have the painting upstairs, rolled up, falling to bits, but I still have it. Um, and it's, the, it's hilarious, really. It, it looks nothing like a hare does look like a tortoise um but yeah I think for me it's that sort of um really early early sensory memory of the smell and the feel and the action of being creative and how it was all of me doing it not just a little bit of me it felt like it was me all in and I was in that moment I really wanted to paint the tortoise in the head um, whether or not it was from a picture book or if it was just the story itself that got my imagination going. Um, yeah, it would. So from then on, I have always loved to create and the act of creating, not just the end result, but the, the process of doing and creating and being when you're creating. So from there, from that age did art become a part of your life or was it later um I did you know I drew at home I created I remember teaching kids in my street whether they wanted to be taught or not um I looked turn buckets with my easel and my chalks teaching them to draw and do maths you know it was kind of um, there was always, um, yeah, art, art's always been in my life and creativity. And I always remember key points at school because of the art that was made. So I remember painting Guy Fawkes blowing up the Houses of Parliament. And it was an amazing painting, but it was a paired painting with a boy in my class. I won't name his name. Um, and I didn't get to take it home. And the injustice and fairness <laughs> of that really really resonated it just and it's carried on and I've never forgotten it and then you know doing um English literature at, at school and actually it wouldn't have been English literature it would have just been in key stage three um doing up doing English and then doing a drawing the teacher would say do a drawing do a book cover and I'd be like oh great you know but at school in art lessons when I took my GCSEs I really I enjoyed it but I wasn't fired up um and it's only really when I went to college um, in 1991 um, at Newcastle Underline College that I was just hooked. So, you know, it, I was 19, um, did A-levels at school, didn't enjoy them, did them for a variety of reasons that weren't really to do with, and it was about staying at the sixth form where I knew where I used to live because I'd moved and lots and lots of attachment to, to, to sort of emotion and and grief really but when I chose to go to college and stepped into that world it just felt like it was the place I was meant to be 
So what was different that really got you hooked at that point? Gosh, um, the smell of the art stock, you know, the art equipment and materials. Um, the fact that you called tutors by the first name. You know, it was a whole new level of experience. And I grew up in um, in the Staffordshire Moorlands in a village, um, quite a big village. It wasn't, you know, really countryfied, but we weren't near the city. And Stoke-on-Trent, where I grew up, is a really odd place anyway. It's very insular. Each of the six towns generally sticks, used to stick to its own space. And every, every, every one of the towns had a post office, a bank, all of the main shops. So you didn't have to travel far. So there was a lot of... Um, we, it was very much segregated in a very bizarre way. And you didn't realise it as a kid that that's the way it was. And when, you know, we used to go a few miles down the road, it was a big adventure. So, yeah, different to completely different times to now. And so when I went to this college and met these people and were given this amazing sort of buffet of, of different things to learn within art, it wasn't just drawing or painting, it was printmaking, it was making things from metal and soldering and, and textiles. And just, it was honestly, it was like all the planets had aligned and I was meant to be there at that time. It was just stunning. So, so yeah, it just, it was just the most magical two years. And I don't think it's ever been repeated since, which makes me feel a little bit sad, but also really happy that I had those two years there and was able to be in that with the crowd of people I was with and, with the teachers, sorry, tutors and lecturers that were there too, because they were amazing. Um, and just feeling like you knew you were on this amazing artistic creative journey. And, you know, I don't think I was the only one who felt like that, but I don't think some of them really appreciated it for what it was. Because um, I'd had two years doing A-levels and feeling really like, this isn't for me. I just don't feel that this is part of my... <laughs> life or journey it just felt like I was mucking about for two years and I think I needed to do that because I was sad and I was grieving and I just wanted some normality and some fun so that's what I had for two years um but then when I went to college to art college I just worked and worked and worked and just created and created and created and nothing stopped me um you know my mum would say you really do need to get out to do some other stuff you know we went out on a student night and I worked I had a job at Woolworths um on the record counter, which was brilliant. Um, so, you know, it's fantastic. It was the, the best time, but I was just, it was a one time in my life where I was really, I had a really positive ethic to learn and to create. I don't want to say work because it didn't feel like work. Um, yeah, but there were, and it wasn't competitive. It didn't feel like you were up against the other the other, you know, the other students, it was very much, yeah. you're part of it and you all had your own way of working and your own style and it's just fantastic. I was just going to ask, was part of the difference having your own, the freedom to express who you were and have your own style? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first year I was there, I did, um, it was quite funny really, I went in with my very small portfolio of about six pieces of work, if that, from my GCSE. And it was rubbish. I don't know why I even kept it. I remember having a sort of ceremonious, I'm not doing art ever again. I'm getting rid of my pencils. I gave everything to my mum because I knew she was wanting to do stuff. And then sort of two years later, I went, well, can I have my stuff? <laughs> and so, so then um, went to the college. And within the first year, we did A-levels and I did GCSE. So they tailored a course for me to sort of get access to art and be quite sort of concentrated um, from a subject point of view for, for a good year. And I said, I really want to do foundation. And they said, no, you've got to do A-level first. You're not quite there yet. They were so lovely. I mean, I'm sure they were just going, geez, Louise, what has she been doing for the past few years? Um, but they were just so lovely and very warm and, you know, just, just a great bunch of people. But um, so, yeah, the first year was quite prescriptive, but it was enjoyable. So, you know, big sheets of A1 paper, painting fish and oil pastel giant eyes of fish, just it was just unctuous and, and full and, gosh, just, it just blew my mind. And, and, you know, from I remember the first lesson that we had with Janet Shaw, who was the A-level teacher. She, was, she is amazing. I met her a few years ago and said, thanks. 
um, because she sorted me out no problem in so many ways that she didn't realize. Um, and we we painted a piece of paper with a tea bag and then drew a tea bag. And then I went home that night and made a tea bag out of fabric because I just could and I wanted to, you know, and thing, things like that, that just, oh, I could do that. I could try that. It's just magical how they inspired people because, like I said before, we all, in the second year, so I went then on to the foundation art and foundation art courses are no longer a thing really, which is a shame because it was such an adventure for, for, for youngsters to go on. So they could go and try some painting, life drawing, you know, drawing people with no clothes on. We'd never done that before. And it was, I was two years older than everybody else. So I was a little bit more mature, but still felt, you know, awkward and a bit, oh gosh. Um, but having all of those experiences and being allowed to, to train and practice in those different subject areas and to realize what you wanted to do and what the possibilities were. I think that was the thing. It was so open to interpretation and you can do it this way, but actually you could do it this way if you wanted to in all of the other subjects. And it was, it was, it then became a mix and match of what you really like to do. And then sort of at the, um, you'd have a, we had a term and then we had to decide what we wanted to specialize in and for me, it was either textiles or 3D. Um, and there was a fantastic 3D lecturer called Phil Lee who um, taught me how to solder. And I made this um, set of drawers. I'm just looking around because I thought they were behind me and they're not. This little set of drawers out of copper piping and, and they had fish inside that did amazing things. And he just said, why don't you put something inside the drawers? And I went, oh, I'll put inside. And he said, you'd make it quite interactive. And Again, mind blown and just trying different things and just, yeah. And so we, we were all encouraged to play to our strengths, but also to extend those strengths and not to just, oh, that's what you are and you will stay that. It was like, well, try adding a bit of this. Why don't you mix some textiles in with your metal work? Why don't you do different, different, lots of different things? Um, and so that meant then we were already sort of on a path of where we were going to be when we went to do a degree. Um, yeah, and just, and we could go into other departments if we wanted to afterwards. And, you know, at the end of each term, you would lay all of your work out and you would have a review. And, you know, you would be there with your portfolio going, blimey, I've done quite a bit here. You know, because you'd, you'd have painting, you'd have your drawing, printmaking, textiles, 3D, life drawing, um, fine art, graphics. Oh my gosh. It just went on and on, and we, you just lay it out. You'd be like, "Hikey," um, and I've still got portfolios upstairs with stuff in. So that's sort of thirty years on, which is just mind blowing. Um, so yeah, it, it, yeah, it was just the most amazing experience. You mentioned um, the two years before that of, of grief and kind of being a bit closed down, if you like. Um, the college. Did that have a huge impact on kind of empowering you and giving you confidence? I think so, yeah. I mean, I've I've always been quite open to change and I've not been afraid to go into a new situation on my own, um, which I know a lot of people struggle with. Um, I, I was very, I'm confident in how books. For a sort of te late teenager, and actually early teenager, I was quite, I don't want to say gobby, but I was very confident and very assertive and knew what I wanted. And if I, and I found a way of getting what I wanted in an appropriate way. Um, so, you know, I, I, did, I did the two years of A-levels. I chose subjects I thought I should do. Um, I didn't have much guidance at home because mum was grieving. Um, I was grieving. Dad wasn't around, obviously. Um, my brother hadn't done A-levels and gone down sort of the degree route. So it was very much, what the hell do I do now? I mean, I don't, I've got no idea. And, you know, at school, you're encouraged to come up with a career that you want to do. And for me, it was either PE teaching or a firefighter. Firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I just thought, I really like London's burning. It was that, it was that sort of, um, I'd always, when my dad was around, he always said, you, you'd be really good in, in, a, in an office at a bank. 
and this was coming this was coming from a generation of parents my parents were of a generation where good job good pension job for life you know um he was an electrical engineer at the at the at the local coal mine um and then my brother went there when he left school he didn't really um do that well at school and he kind of assumed he would go work at the pit because that's what you did if you were a son um for me i was like being creative and did dance and drama and loved performing and talking <laughs> um and sharing stuff with people so i for me, the thought of sitting in a bank or an office just made me feel sick. And I actually did work experience in a bank and then in a um, in the personnel department of the MEB um, in Fenton, the, the Midlands Electricity Board personnel department. Well, you know, I was 17, 18. You can't access people, you know, lots of information from personnel department point of view when you're that age. So it was... Um, work experience is not experience at all. It's just... I don't know what it is. For me, it was a bit like purgatory, really. It was great not to be in school, but I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do now? Um, so it showed me what I didn't want to do. Um, and then the reason that I, I decided to go and study art was I was working at Woolies and one of the girls there was doing a foundation degree at Staffs Uni. Um, it would have been Staffs Polytechnic then, actually. It's still Polytechnic. And I was like, what's he doing? And again, it wasn't... It wasn't necessarily the love of creating. It was the love of she looked really cool and had this thing about her. And I was like, that. And I think it's um, definitely a role model I was looking for. Um, and at school, I didn't really get that. I didn't, I just, yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was bright, but I didn't use it. And I kind of, you know, had a boyfriend and friends and was more focused on other stuff and wasn't really studious I got six seven GCSEs when I left school which was good but they weren't really good grades they were C's C's and a B um so it wasn't kind of obvious what I was going to do um and we were being told you need to have a plan you need to decide to go to university and you need to do this and I was like I've got no idea I loved English literature love my teachers of English literature but I waffled and wasn't very succinct with my writing at all. So I think if I did anything other than, than art, it would be um, studying English literature. But from a writing point of view, no. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. But, you know, just meeting this, this girl and I went, you know what, I'm going to have a look and see what, what this is about and just went for it, which was a bit re re weird for me because I had no idea what I was letting myself in for and went to the open, open day at the college to, I think I took my mum with me and said, mum, she said, what are you going to do now? Now he's, no, I'm going to go to art college. Okay. And I think she was a little bit, obviously still quite shell-shocked with what had happened with Lucy, my dad and stuff. And she was just like, fine, whatever. She's got a plan. I'm going to let her do it to a, you know, to a, to a certain point. And so I did it and absolutely loved it. So back to the original question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> did, did, how did that impact your your confidence and your your outlook going forward going to college with and studying art yeah oh gosh um i we were encouraged quite early on to go and visit different degrees and different universities and decide what what courses you were wanting to do so it god i was confident anyway this seriously boosted my confidence even more and it gave me the belief that I could do absolutely anything creatively and whether that was right or wrong it it enabled all of us who were on the course and there were a lot of us to go and study at a degree or HND level and we were all we all did really really well you know it was an amazing cohort of kids um and I I was um so yeah from a confidence point of view, confidence point of view yeah it just added to to my already kind of I don't want to say arrogance I wasn't arrogant but I was just assertive and just knew once I decided something I was going to do it I did it you know um and so from then um went on to do a degree um and I was the first one in our family to do one which was um which is quite amazing really um yeah different times again so and how how did you get into teaching from there? 
Um, I, gosh, did my degree, changed degrees midpoint because I wasn't enjoying life in London. I did, but it wasn't the best place to study for me. Um, it was too, there were too many um, distractions and the course itself. I, I went to London because I wanted to go to London and I wanted to learn how to do silversmithing, but it was, it was really tight and technical and I wanted to be more expressive. So, and originally I wanted to go to Crunel Sager College, um, which was like 10, 15 miles down the road and I didn't want to go local. I wanted to just go. <laughs> um, so came back after year one and just went, it's not for me. So I then went, I'm going to go to Crunel Sager and I'm going to go into the second year and I'm going to do catch up on the textiles that I missed because that was a combined crafts degree. Um, so from there, did my degree, um, left, um, met my husband-to-be um, and then oh, kind of left uni and had no clue what to do really. I, it was, it was alleged that we would be able to set up a business and create straight away. And not many of us did. Um, mm. I've not really kept in touch with, with many people, um, on a really personal level. I'm friends with a few on Facebook and some now are getting back into art. I know a couple went into teaching. Um, but I ended up working in an interior designers, uh, not really enjoying it not given free reign to be creative. I was just a shop girl, really. Um, and then for a variety of reasons, I just decided that I wanted to work with people and not serve them in a shop. I wanted to help people. Um, and so I don't know if I'd thought about teaching at that point. Um, a friend of mine from college, not from a degree, had started teaching and I was like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Um, and then started working for the local council on their play services and really absolutely loved working with the local community and helping people, helping kids, um, working with families who um, were sort of in, in poorer areas of Stoke-on-Trent. And the work we did was absolutely fantastic and it was just so enjoyable. And I really grew up and matured sort of in the, the three years that I worked there, um, but it didn't fulfill me creatively at all. And I did ask if I could join the art team because there was an art team there and was told, no, you're too valuable as an admin assistant and as a finance assistant. And I was just like, really? Um, so I left. I got some work experience at schools and um, went to Didsbury and did a PGCA course in 2000 to 2001. And wow, that was um, exhausting and amazing at the same time. Um, and started my teaching career in 2001. So how did teaching change things for you? Um, I've not really thought about that before. It made me understand people more and not just the kids. Um, so many injustices and so much unfairness um, when it comes to people's lives and what they're dealt and um, trying to almost fight for the right to teach art to kids as well because I mean to start off with I applied for an art job that didn't actually exist because it had been taken um, and then I walked into the, the school and the head said we don't have a food technology teacher and I went I don't teach food and he went, I know that. However, you have a textiles background and they're not having any textiles teaching at all. Could you teach art textiles to them? And I went, yeah, that's fine by me. So I was in a, a non-art room. It was a food room with gas cookers with tables and storerooms full of cookery stuff. So I was given a small budget to buy some art, art equipment and textiles equipment and soon realised that, you know, the school was a challenging school in a tough area and to try and just maintain some form of decorum and not have kids turn gas on and shove but, stuff in ovens, you know, it, it was challenging. And the first year I was there, we were off-studied. So that was interesting. But the guy... Um, 
I mean, I know Ofsted inspections are very different now, I'm like 23 or 22 years on. Um, but this chap sat behind one of the cookers cutting his nails with my with my scissors and um, just kept peep, peeping up and seeing what I was doing. And I was really overplaying what I was doing. I'd got a, a class of 17 kids, no, 22 kids, 17 of whom were on the special needs register. So they it had to be heavily structured and kept to quite a tight. The learning wasn't tight, but the organisation of the children it's quite tight. It's like, right, come on, let's do this. Um, and, you know, you had to be, it was like a dramatic performance. You had to be on it. You were the centre of attention. You wanted the kids to watch and to, to see what you were doing and what you wanted to impart to them. And it was, I loved it. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. But I absolutely loved it. And um, the, the chap said to me at the end of the lesson, we stopped giving out letters of recommendation, but you would have had one. I'm like, Thank you. Thank you so much for that kind of, yeah, bizarre um, compliment. But yeah. um, And so how did teaching change me? It made me more resilient, you know, being told to F off and various other things, other gems. Um, I remember one lesson. um, I used to have an issue with having curly hair, Not, not, not as an adult, but when I was younger. And I've only recently embraced it sort of in the tail end of the 1980s onwards. Um, but when I was much younger, I used to, no, I wanted straight hair. Um, there's a reason for me saying that. So I was um, in a cover maths lesson in this particular school that I will not name. <laughs> um, and this young chap who had serious issues um, personally, um, we, I managed to find him doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing all the time. I attracted his, his mayhem and his poor behavior. And so this one particular day I was doing a cover maths lesson, which in itself just makes me go, you know, ah, maths, cover. Um, and he stepped through the door and the door opened. There was a step into the room and he came in and he went, oh no, not you, you frizzy. Begins with F and ends in R. And the kids, the kids all looked at me and went. And so I was really calm and just went, Frizzy, get out. <laughs> and then, you know, then the mayhem happened because I then told a member of leadership who then just constantly took the mickey out of me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it made me very resilient. It made me able to cope with situations that I never believed I would have to cope with. Being mooned at, for example, you know. What do I do about that? Do I report it? How do... And again, you know, this senior leadership, well, did you recognise it? I'm like, so, you know, just, yeah, comedy. Some, I, I mean, I can't speak of some of the things that occurred, but, you know, it's a pity the toilets work closer for some children. Um, so, so, yeah, and, you know, staff were amazing. The support that we had from each other was fantastic. Um, but then it got to the point where it was just too much and too stressful. And I was actually feeling quite unhealthy being in that particular environment. So then chose to, to leave and, and find another school, which I did, um, which was chalk and cheese. You know, it was just like, this is just heaven. You know, I felt a lot more supported by leadership group and, um, was in charge of the art department, which was just brilliant. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a, an education for me. <laughs> And how does that lead into what you're doing now? Where did you become inspired to work with women and art? Um, because it, because I'm a woman and I needed art. Um, when I was in my last school, I, um, I was quite poorly. I knew I wasn't well, um, but I had not had anything diagnosed as such. And then 10 years ago... On April the 21st, I had a heart attack. Um, luckily, I was not at school. I was at home. It was the Easter holidays. And I think that was the moment for me where um, everything completely changed. It had to. Um, sorry, I'm getting quite emotional. Um, and um, from it came the next day, being in hospital, being saved, um, 
just thinking, crikey, that was close. <laughs> and he something was wrong. And it just cemented my belief in my intuition and my ability to, my strengths, I think. Um, I think the worst thing is when you're, when you're ill and it's serious, it's the effect it has on other people. Yeah. So I was more concerned about my kids and my husband than I was me. Because actually I was there. I was breathing. I was okay. They said it was fine. You know, had sense fitted, had, had all the medication, did everything that I needed to do. And then I just was so grateful for being alive and for listening to myself and my body. And just going, oh, that's not right. Um, so I just felt very blessed and very needed to stay here and do something else. Um, and I was, I was trying to leave teaching. <laughs> and the universe gave me this, this opportunity to go. So I did and was then able to take some time off to get my, get myself back on track physically and mentally, but mentally really struggled. Um, and so I, I waited and waited for some, some counseling and some help, but I think because I was told, you know, 41's too young to have this you then go in this sort of disbelief mode of like, well, why has it happened? Was it something else, you know? Um, so with that in mind, I then thought, right, I need help. I couldn't get help. And so knew that I could do, I needed to do something with my mind and my fingers. And the only thing I could think of was to stitch. And I'd got a massive fabric stash of 1960s and 70s patterned fabrics that were just bonkers colours and solid colour. And so I just started chopping them into shapes, hearts, ironically, um, and flowers and butterflies, quite crude. You know, they weren't perfect in any way. I didn't do any drawings. I didn't do any designing. I wanted to keep all that away from me because I just wanted to step away from the idea of, of art, teaching and, and that kind of design element. And so just got some lovely embroidery threads and just started to stitch into these shapes and absolutely lost it. And what, what did that do for you in, in terms of, as you, you said it, you know, mentally as well, how did that help you mentally as well? Um, it gave me something to focus on that wasn't, is it going to happen again? And what do I do if, um, so it was just about colour and texture and I felt my stress levels just go quite quickly, just stitching and just loving what I was doing and being quite proud of what I'd made. And there's always, whenever, whenever anybody makes any artwork, um, they, there is an element of, I, I feel I want to show this to somebody because it's an expression of self and it's an expression of you. And if you feel that it's worthy of, of, of being seen then um then it's it's about showing it to other people so I took some photographs popped it on Facebook I hadn't got a business page at that point because I was still teaching really I was on set you know on I was off sick um so I made a few more turned them into brooches and my daughter's school was um asking for people to fill jars with stuff for a stall for the, for the May fair, I think it would have been. Yeah, because that would have been April. Um, so Or summer fair, something like that. And so I popped one of these brooches and a little chocolate bar and a sweet and then, I don't know, something else in there, a hair bobble or a clip. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I found real joy and contentment in just sitting and stitching. And then I realized that it was helping me so much and did some research into the effects of creating and using hands and focusing elsewhere other than on worries, fear, stress, anxiety. And from then I, I actually left teaching um, officially in, gosh, yeah. It was 2015. I can't remember at what point. I think a sort of a year had passed. It was January time. I think January, February, February 2015. I think it was. 
Um, and so I left teaching and they went, right, okay, what am I going to do now? Um, I want to do something. I want to help other people like me. So in seeing the power of creativity in reducing stress and to focusing on more positive feelings, I decided to set up some workshops locally. Um, not specifically for women at that time, um, but in all of my workshops I have ever done, I have only ever taught one man. And a, no, I'm telling my eyes. Um, one man in one of the first ones, and then I did a printmaking workshop a few months later, and I think there were a couple of men in that. But since then, I have purposely focused on attracting female clients because I'm a woman and I know what it's like to be a parent, to be overwhelmed, to feel like you're juggling plates, juggling, sorry, spinning plates, juggling balls, doing everything else. Um, I'm feeling that complete overwhelm and lack of control and not knowing what on earth to do next. So because of that, I just went, you know what, I'm going to see what I can do here. And so 2016, I, I had my first studio ever in my life. <laughs> exactly 20 years having left university. So 20 years since leaving uni, I actually got my first art studio. Um, and then was able to work with women and children too. I worked with lots of home ed families as well uh, and helped them find their inner artist, but also their inner peace as well. So you mentioned that you did the research. What was the results of the research? Um, it was basic stuff that, um, being mindful, focusing on something else, using hands, using, uh, the creative part of your brain reduces the stress hormones, um, and boosts your dopamine levels. That's the crux. The issue is sometimes though, when you are discussing something that, you know, helps you have to back it up with some kind of science. So I did, that's why I did the research because I know how powerful art can be in creativity. And it, and it's not just about reducing stress hormones. It's about giving you a sense of empowerment and self-esteem. You know, I remember teaching one lady who had never had paint on her hands ever. And she was in her sixties. And in this particular session, I got, I said, right ladies, we need to put paint on our hands. And she was just really struggling with that idea. And we carried on and I didn't push. I didn't, you know, try and convince her that it was the right thing to do. And the next thing I know, she got hands and she got paint on her board and she put hands in the paint just to move it around. And that for her was such a breakthrough. Now to most people that would be, oh, that's just doing that. But it's because she was told never to get her hands dirty when she was younger. And so a lot of the um, trauma and stress responses that we have from childhood or stopping us and have stopped us for the majority of our lives from enjoying ourselves or doing something that will bring you the most amazing sensory pleasure. Um, so that for me was a big one. Um, and also I actively encourage women to paint with their feet and just to dance with paint on their feet, which is just the most liberating, amazing, fun thing to do, especially to music as well, you know, dancing yeah. around to 70s disco or ABBA or whatever. Um, just, um, yeah. And actually what's created is the most beautiful paper that I, I, I've used in my artwork since, um, in my sketchbooks and in paintings, I've used it as collage material and the memory of doing that dance with those women, whether it's in a studio or on a retreat, it's just so powerful. And that's the power of creativity, not just to have that moment to forget about it, but it's in you forever. Case in point, me remembering when, you know, when I was doing the hair and the tortoise or guy folks. Yeah, and and you also have the, the physical. Yeah, there, you've got the it? evidence there. Yeah. yeah, you've got the outcome. And, you know, I say to everybody who comes to my sessions, it's not going to be perfect. If you want perfect art, take a photograph. Yeah. Because you're never, ever, ever happy with what you've done if you want it to be a certain way. Now, there is a difference between visualizing a final piece which is what I often do and I'm just working out where things are going to go and it's going to look like this it's going to look like that and I'll do it as I'm making or sometimes before versus 
it's got to be this way or else. Yeah. So, so and, and again, that stems from education, from poor education at school. If it's not perfect, you won't get it marked. If it's not perfect, it'll be ripped up. If it's not perfect, you'll be put in the bin upside down. True stories, you know, and mm. we don't value the arts at all in schools now. And art and the arts is imperative to all of us as adults because we watch TV, we read books, we go to the cinema, we go to the theatre, we've got stuff around us that's designed, we want the art on the walls. So for me, art is the most crucial thing for youngsters and throughout life. So we, I feel that we all need to have an artistic practice, whether it's once a week, once a day. It doesn't matter. It's just the most amazing and powerful way to heal and to express. We need to express ourselves. It's really important. It's almost an invitation to play, isn't it? It's that playfulness that we lose. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and and making those happy accidents that Bob Ross used to call them. Getting it wrong means that you've got so many more possibilities. Because if everything goes right in the way you want it to all the time, you're going to be so bored. And again, that's where a lot of people can't maintain creative practice and confidence in in making art because they give up because it's not gone the way they wanted it to. Instead of just allowing it to just be and to sit and to talk to you. So I I paint. Um, If I've made a painting and I'm not sure I'll stop, leave it a day, a month, sometimes a year and go, it's done or it's not done, it needs this. And it will sometimes come in the middle of the night when I wake up or when I'm driving the car or when I just walk past the piece of work in my studio or here at home, I'll go, that's what I need to do. Um, yeah. And it, I think having that relationship with your, what you're making is really important, having the confidence to trust that what you're doing will then come back to you and say what it wants, which I know sounds bizarre, but it's that communication and that intuition. Um, yeah. And that comes with confidence and time and practice. So you teach art online. What else do you do at the moment? What's, what's, what's in your calendar? Um, so I have an event on Sunday, the 3rd of March from 4 till 6 online um, in my Facebook group and the art of creating your best life. So. It's all about me enabling women to design their life on their terms, using art as the conduit, as the movement, as the expression, um, and as a way of clearing any anxiety, any fear, any stress, uh, and to empower them. And it's it's about using my more creative method, uh, which is about making art, opening up to creative um, open up to your creativity and not just art but being creative in your thinking and in your reasoning and your problem solving um also the R stands for it's gonna have my head <laughs> that's so difficult um bear with me i need to get my notes <laughs> it, 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 um making art opening up to creativity, restoring your balance and feeling empowered and enabled to do whatever you want to do. And I think so many women feel powerless because they are responsible for so much um, in their lives. It could be kids, it could be parents, they could be carers, they could have a really stressed job. Um, And I appreciate that men have this too, but I've been there and done that. So I, I feel most experienced in this field and I'm able to offer women the opportunities to redesign their life on their terms. So that's what we're doing on Sunday, where it will be art and techniques to help and um yeah. Helping women to feel empowered and able to move forward. So on Sunday uh, sorry. Sorry. Is that a one one off event? Um, that's the taster. And then from that, I will be launching my 12 week program, which is called create your best life. Um, and it's a pilot program. So I'm looking for 20 women to come along with me on this paid program. Um, and they, 
have reached a point in their lives where they are ready now to do the work and to clear trauma, to clear any issues that are holding them back by making art and working with me and using my expertise to help shift and clear space for an amazing life that they actually may not even think that's possible. And something that I've learned with my experience over the years is you can do absolutely anything you want to do. You just need to want it enough and to be ready for it and ready to invest in yourself. Is art your happy place then? Yes, definitely. Paint, colour, splodge, I'm there. And is that what you hope to offer to others? Yeah, definitely. Um, we are here, we are all here for a purpose and it's not to feel negative. It's not to feel stress, anxiety, fear. It's here to wake up in the morning and feel like this day is going to be magical and filled with amazing things. And it doesn't have to be complicated things. It could just be a sunny day, the breath in your lungs. It's about being grateful, but also being able to tap into your creativity. And my aim is to instill as much confidence and help women boost their skills within art so that they can then just go off and do absolutely anything creatively that they want to do. Very good. Thank you so much, Belinda. Final question. Is there anything that you want to share that you haven't already shared that's important oh, about art? Um, gosh, that's a big one. Um, I think we need to remove any stigma or idea that art is a gift. We can all do it. We're all artists. Just because someone's got a degree in art or has had a piece of artwork up in an exhibition doesn't mean that anyone else isn't an artist. Um, it's something that's within us when we're young and it's... Um, so it's a deep-seated need to express from, gosh, the minute you can pick, well, you don't even need to pick up a brush, you just put your hand in paint. So toddler, 16-month-old child, I don't know. It's just for everybody from that age to 80-something. And if I can just add, I have never really been shocked very much. Um in my life, you know, I've had quite a few things happen to me, but one thing that really stood out for me last year was that a lady came onto one of my sessions, one of my uh, free workshops, and she had never drawn in her life, ever. And she was what? 82. What? 82 years old and had <laughs> never drawn or painted or made art because she wasn't allowed to. Hmm. I think I wept. <laughs> it's just staggering. And there are, there are kids now in schools being told that they can't draw, even now. Yeah. And that, yeah. that for me, gosh. I know in how... my own, own experience doing my O-levels, as they were at the time, I wanted to do O-level art and was told by my, my father that I wasn't the artist in the family, so do something different. And that, no. that, the ladies who I work with all have an issue from the past to do with art. And it is trauma. You know, yeah. it, it should, it should, the basic need to express through drawing or painting or something in that way, to have that quashed. And to be told never to do it or, you know, good at it or stop doing that, you're ridiculous. No, I, I just, it's, it's the one thing that just stops me in my tracks. Um, yeah, so, I, so, so yeah, that's, that's why I do what I do. That's what drives me even now. And I even hear now that kids in school are being told that they shouldn't do art. And I, I think the other, the other thing that stops people is this, as you say, this 
competition and comparison where art is an expression of yourself. It's not really something to be compared with somebody else because it comes from who you are. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, because art's being classed as a subject that can be graded, there has to be an element of, well, that's an A. I know it's not how it's numbers. That's a nine, that's an eight, that's a four, that's a this. And when we give children the experience of learning as being it's emitting a certain standard, it does make it less enjoyable, I think. Um, mm. You know, unless you're getting nines and you want nines. But that, for me, a lot of the work that, that wasn't the high end, I actually really loved because it was just so expressive and had so much about it. Whereas, you know, the, the work that was higher graded was very a certain way and it was neat and it's realistic and for me art isn't about being able to draw something perfectly it's about expressing your relationship with that thing whether it's yeah. a flower or a steel piece of food we did it we did it in my online membership um we did a section based on cakes and it was just the best because we were all like oh cakes and you know and it's tricky, but the work that was produced was amazing because we had that relationship with the gangs. They were just such lovely things and we were all like, just eat that. Um, so, you know, and it's about making, making art and the learning of art enjoyable and have a giggle and have a laugh and be able to go, oops, didn't mean to do that bit there. Let's turn it into something else. And I think my method of teaching women and, and sort of um, enabling women to, to do art and to create art is, is quite light. And it's not heavy and it's encouraging and nurturing and, you know, we can have a work. And that, that for me is the thing is to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying something, then do it a different way or just stop for a bit and find someone who can teach you an enjoyable yeah. way. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank We're you. just about at the hour. So thank you so much for your time. And um, it's lovely to talk to you and maybe we'll, we'll have another chat in a few months time thank you that sounds lovely thank you heather thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode if you enjoyed it or think it would be valuable to others please do share and if you really enjoyed it please leave me a review it really helps the podcast all of the links are in the show notes and i look forward to seeing you next week on the choosing happy podcast